Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I wanna welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. It's great to be with you. Uh, it's a pleasure. In fact, I'm sitting here at my desk uh, in my office and uh, I'm gonna to talk to you like you're sitting across uh, the desk from me. We're gonna have a conversation today about uh, a chapter from the Emotionally Healthy Leader book called Lead Out of Your Marriage or Singleness. And so actually what I'm doing in these nine podcasts is I'm taking, we're in a second one here, is I'm a third one here, and I'm taking you chapter by chapter through the uh, Emotionally Healthy Leader book uh, just for your building upon uh, the rich themes in each of those nine chapters. And so, as I said, uh, last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to download a discussion guide uh, at our website uh, at emotionallyhealthy.org slash ehleaderguide. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash ehleaderguide. And that'll take you through the core content that's found uh, in the book. But what I want to do here in this podcast is to build on that, expand on it, and just talk to you about it uh, in a, in a larger way or wider way and dealing with some of the questions and larger concepts that are found in it. But I first want to begin by just uh, reviewing very briefly the, the content of the chapter, Lead Out of Your Marriage or Singleness, and uh, and then I'll take it from, from there. So the framework uh, of the emotion like the leader is very simple. It's built on the concept of a skyscraper, that if you're going to build a skyscraper high uh, up, you've got to go deep down, and that the inner life of a leader is what determines the quality of what they're building externally. And so when we think about all the external things we do in leadership on a daily basis, things like planning and decision-making, culture and team building, uh, boundaries and power and how we handle that and endings and new beginnings, uh, those we're doing on a daily basis, how we're handling transitions. But And that's the last half of the book. But the first half of the book is is the inner workings of, a, of your life, of a skyscraper, of a leader, that have got to be deeply grounded uh, in us uh, if we're going to build a high-quality work for God that's going to last long-term. And so the four inner life issues we're exploring, last week we began with Face Your Shadow, today's marriage or singleness, next week we'll talk about uh, slowing down for loving union, and then this whole issue of Sabbath delight. And again, I came up with these four inner life issues out of decades. It's very pragmatic, best practices, what I've observed you know, around the world. And, uh, and so again, last week we began with Facing Your Shadow, because this issue of shadow informs really everything else. And, and I continue to work on my shadow. Again, each of these concepts are such that you don't like check them off, oh, I did that. No, it's a paradigm of how you understand yourself, your leadership uh, of other people, and your following of Christ. And uh, so uh, now as we get into this issue of lead out of your marriage or singleness, uh, there's a, a gigantic disconnect between leadership and our status as married or singles. In fact, uh, it's the disconnect is so great that it does require a theological vision uh, from God that I pray you'll begin to get as you wade into this material. Uh, if it's going to shift this, I would just call it a dangerous state of affairs. And basically, the, the attitude towards married leaders goes something like this. You know, seek first the kingdom of God, you know, build the kingdom and the ministry, and everything else is going to be added to you, and that includes a really good marriage and family. And the not-so-subtle message to single leaders is, you know what, you'd have a broader, more effective ministry if you were married. And uh, and so the, the fault thinking, uh, default thinking around marriage or singleness, kind of in the standard way it goes around in the church, is kind of like this. You know, your highest priority as a leader is to build a, a great ministry, you know, for Jesus and thus reveal Christ's love to the world. And your marriage or your singleness, it's important, but it's actually secondary to this. Uh, it's not, you know, primary, uh, but it's important. Uh, and that your oneness with Jesus and your marriage 
to your spouse or singleness is, is not deeply connected. Um, they're related, but not deeply connected. And that you want to get as much training and your leadership as possible and equipping. Go to conferences, read books, uh, improve your skills and experience. But training and equipping for your marriage or your singleness is actually a secondary issue, and you might get to that if you're in a crisis. And so you know, you won't see leadership conferences on uh, growing in your marriage or leading out of your marriage as a leader. It's just not, it's rarely, rarely done. It's quite tragic, but it's actually a theological statement, uh, the fact that it's not done. And, but uh, you know, it is true, our whole life as a leader is to bear witness to God's love for the world. And so we do it differently, whether we're married or single. And, uh, and so in the chapter on the emotion of the leader, we talk about when leading out of your marriage, marriage is your first ambition after Jesus. You know, I follow Jesus, but as I, if I'm married, uh, because I've made that vow, my, my first ambition after Christ is that my marriage might be a sign and a wonder that points and tastes of the love of Jesus. And that, um, uh, that my, my marriage is meant to be so exuding the love of Christ uh, and of such a quality. It's like a movie trailer. I watch the trailer of a movie, uh, and the, the goal of a trailer is that you want to watch the whole movie. Or it's like a uh, reading a chapter of a book on Amazon. You know, you read that chapter, and, it, and the goal is they want to get you to buy the whole book. In the same way that people see the love of Jesus in our marriages as leaders, it's so distinct that people say, oh my gosh, I want the love of God. There's something there that's supernatural. I want to see his face and know his love. And this comes out of a theology of Ephesians 5, uh, where Paul writes, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. But this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so from the very beginning, uh, marriage was created to point to something larger than itself. And Paul can't think of earthly marriage without thinking of the marriage of Jesus and the church. And so from the very beginning, God creates the institution of marriage right there in, in Genesis uh, 2 and 3. Uh, and because the Bible ends with this marriage, we're going to see him face to face. And that earthly marriage is a visible reminder of our ultimate destiny of human beings, which is to be married eternally to Jesus. It points to the marriage, actually earthly marriage, points to the very meaning of our existence, points to heaven. It's an incredible revelation. It makes visible something invisible through the physical. Uh, it's prophetic. And people see God's love in our marriage, and it, it's meant to point to the love of God right now that's available. It's concrete. It's visible. It's a walking picture of how God loves us. And so we, we image God in our maleness and femaleness in the context of marriage, and thus we're a gift. And our marriages as leaders is not, or marriages period, for Christians is not private for us to have a great life. It's actually uh, for the world. And we go out two by two uh, to offer that gift to the world uh, in Jesus. And the church, to be the church, uh, needs uh, couples, needs married couples to exude this. And I love John 17, 21, where Jesus says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you've sent me. And so as married couples, we're meant to be you know, crazy about each other, in each other, um, and we're a credible symbol of this, of this picture, of this static intimacy of the Trinity, God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the inner life of God. And so, uh, so again, we talk about marriage and, and, and leading out of your marriage. And then the second or second half of that chapter is about leading out of your singleness and the call to be intentional about the kind of single God's called you to be, whether it's vocational or dedicated, talk about that. And then a healthy singleness is your first ambition. It's one of your, your sign of wonder. You're, you're offering that gift to the world 
uh, it's prophetic actually, um, and that your healthy singleness, walking that out very practically, if you're a single leader listening to this right now, is your loudest gospel message. But in both cases, whether you're married or single, this has to be work out, worked out, this theology, slowly over decades in the seasons and the pressures of life. And so what I want to do here in the rest of this podcast, I, w- I want to make comments around four areas. And then I want to respond to some common, frequently asked questions that come up to me about this. And I'm going to focus primarily on marrieds, and uh, primarily because I'm married, and I've been married 35 years, and uh, have a lot more understanding of what it means to go through seasons of life as a married person. Uh, but of course, uh, the applications to singles are there as well. But just forgive me, singles who are listening to me, for not working this out in the same level of detail as I have with married. So my comments are going to center around four areas. Um, triggers, one. Two, the issue of oneness. Thirdly, around limits and discernment. And then fourthly, around sexuality. So let me just begin by just talking about the issue of triggers. Uh, marriage... Uh, brings out our triggers like few other relationships on earth. And, and uh, in fact, there are two places where triggers are, are activated uh, because they're places of such in, intense or close intimacy. One is our families of origin uh, and then our marriage, if we're married, and, and actually then in our workplace in our dealing with authority figures. And so our shadow, and we talked about facing your shadow last week, emerges uh, very powerfully uh, under the pressure of a marriage relationship. And, uh, and so I, you know, very easy for me to, you know, you know, pick a fight or be judgmental and it's a way of avoiding intimacy. And, uh, you know, we, we each carry these core issues or personalizations that come out in conflict that we get over the first 10 years. And we talked about them a bit last week. We all these core ways that we personalize, um, our histories or the wounds of our childhood or families of origin growing up, whether it's abandonment or being criticized or being controlled or feeling rejected or unheard or invisible or feeling inadequate or stupid or incompetent. And, and so we, we grew up with these, you know, personalizations, I like to call them, these dynamics inside of ourselves. And then what happens is we recreate them in the present, in the future, in, in the present, our present adulthood. And, uh, and if we don't integrate our humanity and uh, what it means to be a human being that we're st- we have strengths and weaknesses, uh, it's very easy to get very de- to get defensive uh, and not integrate our shadows in our marriages. And again, this applies to singles as well. And uh, and so what happens in in all marriages that each two people bring their childhood wounds, and uh, a dance ensues. Or, or an emotional infinity loop where you kind of do the same dance, negative dance, uh, and it can go on for decades and decades uh, if there's not vulnerability and, and, the, and the kind of work to actually break it. And uh, so, for example, like how did your family do emotional closeness? You know, how did your family do attaching? And uh, because that's the way you do it as an adult, a very core issue. And uh, it's a very core discipleship issue. And so... Uh, you know that if you're married, and it applies to singles as well, your triggers or your childhood wounds are, are coming out. And you probably, with a little bit of help, could identify the, the negative dance that goes on in, with your spouse and whether it's uh, 
they get critical and they pull away and then you pursue and you feel rejected and you pursue more and they pull away even more and it's kind of it's a negative dance and it uh, and uh, it, you get caught in cycles of immaturity and so it's a tremendous opportunity to, to work on the relationship grow up because if you don't deal with the triggers uh, you will get stuck and you know what's interesting is is, is how many I, I would say in our observation of work over these decades most marriages uh, are stuck uh, emotionally, and some are stable. Some, of course, quit altogether. Uh, but uh, 80 90% of couples are stuck. Now, some are miserably stuck. Some are just stable, you know, working, living parallel lives as roommates or teammates or coworkers. Uh, but it's not necessarily passionate or intimate uh, or, or a sign and a wonder for Christ. But it's workable, and they get the work done. Uh, very much, we believe God's called us to a larger theological vision for your marriage as a Christian leader, uh, regardless of what space you're in, that this is worthy of your, just like you put your, your first investment is in Jesus, cultivating your relationship with him. Uh, after Christ, your first priority is is your marriage and working on your marriage and getting the kind of help you need and, and working on and getting, you know, whether it's therapy, counseling, conferences, trainings, reading, but you're working on it. It's not a side issue. It's a primary issue. And, and it's difficult because it's, you're, you're, you're inevitably revealing your vulnerabilities and your wounds and weaknesses. But it is God's gift that the, you're, in some ways, your incompatibility with your spouse and every two people are always going to be incompatible. These are opportunities for growth. And, and it's actually meant to be sacred space because as we work on that together with our spouse, God meets us and grows us. And uh, and so, for example, Jerry and I just came back uh, this past weekend from a uh, a weekend to learn, a training conference uh, for our marriage. And we, we always go every year. Actually, we've gone twice the last couple of years and two years, twice in each year, the last two years, to invest in our marriage. Because we're so committed uh, that our marriages would be first after following of Christ and our leadership flows out of our marriage together. Now, listen, if you've not done the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, uh, which is uh, part two of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, uh, which has the eight skills in it, core skills of attachment, of connecting with people. Now, it's, it's not just for marriage. It's for singles or marrieds. Uh, you know, we spent 20, 21 years working on these skills because we realized that, again, we don't disciple. Church doesn't discipleship people in relationships. We disciple people in our relationship with God, but not necessarily with each other. And... Uh, I want to I want to encourage you just you and your spouse get a hold of that DVD and workbook and, and begin to work through things like incarnational listening and speaking clearly, respectfully, and honestly, and uh, you know climbing the ladder of integrity and clarifying expectations and stopping stop mind reading and again our thesis is if, if you if you can do it in your marriage which is the most triggered place of all you can do it in anywhere in the world you can do any any board meeting under any pressure but if you can't do it in your marriage. Uh, it's very unlikely going to do it in the pressure uh, of a board meeting uh, when when people are shooting missiles across the table and uh, you're triggered by things. And so I would just encourage you just do it with your spouse uh, to start with uh, and begin as a, at least one step to begin to work on some of your triggers and getting some skills to move through it. Uh, and of course, I, I, I encourage almost if not, I think every Christian leader to do therapy, to do work on your marriage. And I would say the same thing for you as singles in your, for your relationships, because you want to get discipled in marriage. Uh, it's part of your role as a, as a leader and let the theology of your marriage being a sign and wonder drive you. And, uh, and again, Jerry and I are continuing to grow in, in our marriage. 
uh, after 35 years and will be continuing to grow. I met a couple in their married over 60 years, and we said they were asked, "Why are you here learning about marriage?" And they said, "We want to get it right." I just love that. Okay, so that's triggers. But I want to talk to you also briefly about oneness. Uh, oneness and that marriage, uh, the thrust of marriage in scripture is not this hierarchy of, you know, male over woman. Uh, I think it's really the wrong discussion and exegetically that the, the heart of scripture is you're one flesh uh, as, a, as a married couple and uh, that your, your oneness is what drives you, your, your partners, your, your, uh, you're no longer two but, but one and, and that your task is to create a safe, secure couple bubble around your one, oneness, kind of like a firewall that nothing, no, no viruses get in that oneness that you have with each other. You, there's a password only the two of you know, that your relationship is first and that you're protecting it on a daily basis from outside forces. And you're, you're, you're a two-person system and you're, you're the building block of the church, you're the building block of society, uh, but it's a very fragile bubble. It's a very fragile ecosystem. And it's easily, easily damaged and, and easily compromised. And, uh, and it's a womb. It's an intimate environment. And, and we're within the two of you, as in, within this, I like, the, I like the image of a bubble, and the two of you are in this bubble. Uh, you're, you're saying to each other, like, you're, you're the presence of Jesus to each other. I will never leave you. I'll never frighten you purposefully. Uh, if you're in distress, I'm going to relieve you. Our relationship is more important than my need to be right or what other people think or any other competing value. Uh, I'm not married to the ministry first or my work first. I'm married to you. And you'll be first to hear about anything, not second, third, or fourth. And I'm, I'm not going to allow intruders in our relationship, whether it's our children or in-laws or, again, growing the church. Or There's not going to be any third parties, no addictions in our relationship. And so... We protect that in public and in private. And so for me, that's meant very simply and continues to mean on a daily basis that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. I enjoy it. I, I was writing this morning. I love writing and uh, I love what I do, pastoring and uh, but emotionally, emotionally healthy discipleship and, you know, New Life Fellowship, church are not my, you know, are not first. G, you know, Jerry is and. Uh, it doesn't get in here, and I, I have to limit and guard that it doesn't get in there, and the demands, external demands, uh, and deadlines don't get in there. And uh, so it, I don't know what's a third party for you, but uh, that oneness of you and your spouse if you're married, and I would say for those of you listening who are single, the oneness of your closest community, your uh, one, two, three closest friends that you are, it's like you're, you're oneness. And of course, your family of origin, relationships there too, but especially your community uh, that God's given you, you're cultivating that, you're protecting it, and uh, your life is not just your work, uh, but you too are modeling being a sign and wonder in your, in your person. But again, it's, these, are, these are fragile ecosystems. But my life work as a married leader, as a married Christian, is what does Jerry need today? because God sent me to do it for her. And so I center my life on her in a sense of, my life is abiding in Jesus, John 15. But I'm also abiding in Jerry. She's not here with me right now, but she's in me and she's out right now uh, working out. Uh, trust, I'm trusting I'm in her too, but we live as one flesh. And it's got, this has to be nurtured. Uh, it's not, not, it doesn't happen natural. There's nothing in our culture that supports it. Uh, but 
through our marriages, we're giving birth. Out of our oneness, we give birth to something, something that's never existed before uh, and something that will never exist again. It's something so unique out of you and your spouse. And don't be surprised why there's such a warfare against your marriage and why this is such a battle. It's just like the, the evil one seeks to cut us off from our union with Jesus. You know, Revelations, the book of Revelations, all about that. He's, a, he's like a dragon and a beast coming to cut us off from our union with Jesus in the same way that the evil one is a dragon seeking to cut you off from your union with your spouse. And that's why do anything what it takes to uh, cultivate oneness and a growing oneness with your spouse. So the question is, is your leadership or your job or your priorities, or your commitments weakening your oneness? And, you know, what's the vision you have for your marriage at this next phase of your life and season? Because this requires a vision and a structure, just like you need a structure around your walk with Jesus and decisions that you're making, the little decisions that, as you know, make all the difference in the world, um, the little decisions on a daily basis that make a big impact over time. So that's oneness. So we got triggers, we got oneness, but let me talk to you about limits and discernment as well, because I find this comes up a lot in my conversations with pastors and leaders and executives in particular, that your life is now informed, if you're married, by that vow that you've made to your spouse. And uh, I, I like to compare it. To me, the great comparison of that covenant vow you've made is that of a, a monk makes in joining a monastery, which after a six or seven year period, uh, a monk go through, goes through postulancy and is an observer, then a postulant, and then a novice, and eventually makes permanent, uh, makes partial, what do you call They call them uh, temporary vows and permanent vows. But it's a six, seven, eight, can be a nine-year process. But once they make that vow, they forsake all else, vows to stability. They vow stability and conversion of life and poverty. In the same way, when we vowed uh, to our spouse to be one flesh, uh, to love them for richer, for poorer, etc., we made a a vow that everything in our life would be informed by that vow. Uh, And just like monks would change the name, and uh, you know, we've made a a vow here that every decision we make is every commitment, uh, all discernment, the pace of our lives is all informed by that vow. And and you can't imagine a monk going out and you know just uh, moving to California for six months uh, because they made a vow to a community. Well, in the same way, you can't live like you're single if you made a vow to be married. And that's why knowing your spouse and what, what's required for you to live as one. It's, it's a gigantic limit. Uh, because again, remember, it's out of the marriage. The limits of the marriage vow, uh, our cup runs over and we offer a gift to the world. Everything we do is out of our you know, vow of marriage. And I would say the same thing for singles. I'm asked often about how do I know what I should and shouldn't do with my time? And the... There are two ways, to two, two very core questions that I think you want to ask first is, what do you need to be growing and nurturing your relationship with Jesus in terms of time alone, reading, prayer, uh, and pace? How much can your spirit take um, before you're feeling you're, you're out of equilibrium? But then secondly is, what does your marriage need to be growing uh, and blossoming? And uh, how is this going to affect your oneness? And so that's going to affect things like travel and multiple committees and meetings, et cetera. And that's, that comes out of long conversations with your spouse, knowing her, knowing him, uh, and talking together and discerning those 
again, those commitments and those limits. And so limits and discernment is gigantic and receive those gifts of limits as a gift truly from God for you. Then finally, let me just talk to you about sexuality and um, because it's, of course, such a large issue now. And we learn about our sexuality from pop culture, you know, music, from the streets, from movies, uh, from porn, pornography. That's what sets the tone for the culture. Uh, And uh, as you all know, it's demonic and destructive. But marriage, if anything, is a sexual sacrament. And, and uh, again, we're not roommates or partners or just simply brother or sister. We're actually in a sexual relationship. There's nothing like it on earth. We're actually naked with this person uh, within the bounds of this covenant. And uh, it's, it's so unique. It's just so incredible. And so to sustain a vibrant sexual life over decades uh, requires a marriage with intimacy and emotional connection. It's got to be holistic. It's not something, it's not about techniques. It's about a, a lovemaking. This is about, again, oneness. It requires a lot of maturity, a lot of skills. And for Jerry and I, when we first came into emotional discipleship, we were emotionally immature, as was our marriage, as was our sexuality. And and we just learned, again, one skill called incarnational listening. Uh, it opened up our ability to even communicate about challenging, sensitive things like our sexuality in the bedroom. And uh, we, we have a saying we all, you know, Jerry and I often use that, you know, differentiation in the bedroom uh, is a window into the organism of the health of a ministry or a church. Uh, that everything's coming out there in the sexual relationship of a couple, all the issues of differentiation, enmeshment, uh, inability to, you know, declare ourselves and, and speak our preferences, resolve conflicts, etc. But we're called to model marriage uh, or called, I mean, leadership is saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ and in all of life. And that includes marriage and includes sexuality. In fact, where, where are the people that we're leading going to learn about sexuality? And uh, I mean, it needs to be from us in leadership. And sadly, there's so little theology training, uh, leadership conferences around this issue of sexuality that by the grace of God, I pray this will turn around in the decades to come. And, you know, and, and in fact, one of the things I mention in the Emotional Healthy Leader book is uh, it's called Skin to Skin. I can't tell you how many times a leader has come up to me and said, page 96, page 96. And because uh, on page 96, we describe in a couple of paragraphs uh, what is skin to skin. And as a spiritual practice, much like prayer and quiet time, uh, you know, me, you know, being naked in each other's arms, not for the sake of intercourse, but simply to be present with each other, you know, in that nakedness physically, but as well as emotionally, spiritually um, as well. And boy, someday we need to do a couple of podcasts on leadership and sexuality. That would be something uh, that's worth doing in, in the future. All right, let me close with a couple of common FAQs around this issue of lead out your marriage or singleness. And and again, most of these are mostly, you know, towards married couples. People have said, Pete, I'll get fired if I put my marriage first. Uh, the church won't tolerate it. And uh, this is actually common in certain countries of the world. Uh, and I would just say this to you, that uh, you are meant to be, as a leader, the one who is embodying and leading out the doing of Scripture. 
And so I would say if they're threatening to fire you if you put your marriage first, now again, we've got to talk about what that means because a marriage needs to be able to sustain the weight of leadership. And we, you know, we would hire someone when I was leading New Life Fellowship Church. We would, I would send them away for two days to work on, to, to be with a therapist. And I would have the therapist give us a report, can this marriage sustain the pressure of leadership? But assuming that's okay, you know, that's in place. Um, yeah, let them fire you for putting your marriage first because uh, it comes out of a theology that if you've made a vow of marriage after Jesus, this is your first ambition. And I would say the same thing for single. If you're single listening to this, that you need to live out a healthy singleness as a sign and wonder if they're going to fire you for not working an 80-hour week, I would say, well, then I let them fire you because you want to live out embodying Scripture. Uh, others have said, the second common question, I don't have time, Pete, what am I to do? I do not have time to invest the kind of energy needed in our marriage. And I would simply say, yes, you don't have time, but you don't have time not to do this. Uh, it's a matter of, we're back to vision, priorities, and I can just promise you this, it's like giving financially. If you trust God and put him first and give financially, God will take care of you, right? We teach that. The same thing, you put the time into God's priorities, uh, spending time with him, slowing down, investing in your marriage, investing in a healthy singleness. I promise you, God will multiply your time. He will take care of it. Uh, Pete, how do I grow in this? What are my next steps? Um, I would just, I would encourage you to, uh, again, the issue is theology. Uh, if you go back into the history of theology within the Protestant you know, history, we don't have a lot of theology, but historical theology, uh, there's a lot through church history. And I would encourage you to find out, look up Theology of the Body. Uh, John Paul II wrote a whole thesis on Theology of the Body, the whole movement. Many evangelicals are now have become part of that, but it's probably the best simple theology to get you started on leading out of your marriage is a sign in wonder. Uh, so that's theology of the body. If you've got some uh, issues uh, sexually in your marriage, I want to encourage you to seek out a sex therapist. We, we, there, there are some excellent sex therapists out there. They don't have to be Christian. They'll respect your views and all that. And, and uh, I can't tell you how many folks we've seen get help through getting into therapy. Not doesn't have to be a sexual therapist. It could just be a therapist in general. But uh, there's just no reason to remain stuck. There is help out there. Uh, fourth question, what do I do if I'm in pornography? And my answer to you is get help uh, immediately. Uh, it's, a, it's a demonic spirit of Jezebel. It castrates leaders. Um, and there are ministries like Pure Desire, uh, founded by Ted Roberts uh, and his lovely wife. And I would encourage you to seek out help uh, groups, 12-step uh, groups. But if you find yourself addicted to porn, which is not that uncommon today at all, uh, you really need to get some help with that. Uh, it's not simply a you know a one-two punch. It's a it's a serious addiction, and it will it just cripples marriages and healthy singleness. And fifthly, common question that comes up a lot is what do I do with my triggers and my personalizations that my challenges inside of myself that that just keeps coming up in my marriage. And uh, I would just say to you, this is this is growth fodder for you. And I want to just encourage you to get help. Uh, again, go to a counselor, go to a therapist, go to a mentor. Uh, these are gifts from God and that your these tensions are growth. They really are growth opportunities. It is the way God's going to grow you in Jesus. And uh, they're not distractions or detours. They're actually God's avenue to mature you. So thank you very much. It's been great to be with you and uh, talking about uh, leading out of your marriage or singleness. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide at www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash ehleaderguide. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash ehleaderguide. And you want to get with one or two people and go through the book chapter by chapter. Just talk about it, wrestle with it, ask God how he wants you to apply it to yourself. 
And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. So you have a great day, everybody. It's been great to be with you. Take care.